Our sponsor today on Drinking with Authors is Skunk Brothers Spirits. Skunk Brothers Spirits was started by a family of disabled veterans focused on locally sourced quality distilled spirits. Their name was inspired by their pops, who was nicknamed Skunk. Skunk's father was a moonshiner in Oregon back when it wasn't exactly legal. Now the brothers are taking the family business legal with their Washington-based team using their grandfather's Prohibition-era moonshine recipe to bring small batch spirits to the gorge and beyond. From the moonshine corn whiskey to the apple pie brandy, all of their spirits are handmade in Washington. Believing they already have the best ingredients in the local community, they work with local farmers and suppliers to produce the highest quality spirits from scratch. You can find them on Facebook at Skunk Brothers and on Twitter at Skunk Bros Inc. Or visit their site www.skunkbrothersspirits.com and use coupon code DWA10 at checkout to read 10% off your order. You can always also ask your local retailer to start stocking Skunk Brother Spirits. Regardless of how you get your hands on a bottle or two, grab a drink and don't forget to get skunked. This podcast contains potentially adult language, adult themes, definitely drinking, and possibly sexual context. Listener discretion is advised. Okay, welcome to Drinking with Authors. This is the Literary Briefs edition. I'm your host, Erica Lance. My co-host today, who is already super duper drunk, is... Yeah, if you're watching... It's me, Willis, I'm back! <laughs> okay, <laughs> Thanks for threatening everybody with that, Valerie Lowe. Our amazing guest today, who's welcome back for a second time on the show, and I could have him literally every single time, and I'd love it, is Jonathan Mayberry. So, woo! Cheers! Let's talk about what we're drinking, um, what Valerie should stop drinking. Um, So, I am actually at an Airbnb because I am in Florida this weekend, and I'm drinking hazy and less sweet, unfiltered, um, Angry Orchard hard cider. So that happened. Is now, it less let's, sweet? Is it, it, it less is actually less sweet. It's pretty good, but you know what it needs? It needs um, Skunk Brother Spirit apple pie brandy. <laughs> you missed that, John. I've never seen Erica take like get into like sip three or four, and then she goes, "Oh!" <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> "What just happened to Erica? She got super quiet." <laughs> It was, it's, it's really and good. Then we realized it was like 15 or 18 percent proof or something like that. Right. She, she's like, oops. She's just making up words, Jonathan. She doesn't know what any of that means, as you can tell. I could tell by the look on your face, too. Like she's just she's using sounds that she's heard. I'm using sounds talk about liquor. Yes. <laughs> Don't pretend I know that thing. Val, what are you drinking? Uh, coffee and Bailey's, and I don't know what this is. Oh, uh, with with cream brulee, coffee made creamer to yeah, tweak so it. That's coffee with Irish cream and creamer in it. That's what that is. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry to disappoint. You. It needs a finishing. <laughs> Jonathan, what are you drinking? I am drinking a bourbon that is um, created by uh, Ian Summerholder from Vampire Diaries and V Wars, and his buddy Paul Wesley. It's called Brothers Bond, and uh, it's a Excellent bourbon and cheers. 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 Okay. This is um rapid fire questions. Are you ready? I am always ready. 
Okay. Um, what is the favorite book you've read in the last two years? Favorite book I read in the last two years was, um, it's, it's not a new book. It's, it's from years ago. Uh, it's called Death Angel's Shadow. It's a collection of short stories by Carl Edward Wagner that includes my favorite epic fantasy werewolf story. Why is it your favorite? Because it's the best epic fantasy werewolf story I've ever written, ever read rather. And, oh. and read, sorry. <laughs> and it, it, it's, it's also kind of almost like a haunted, haunted palace sort of story. It takes place during a snowstorm. It's all moody and really beautifully written. And I wish Carl Wagner was still alive because he, he died with a relatively modest uh, library of his works in, uh, out there. And none of them are in print at the moment. But I have an old copy of that and with a Frank Rosetta cover, just a fantastic book. Very, very cool. Okay. What is your favorite book to TV series or movie? Ooh, book to TV series or movie? Um, probably going to go with The Expanse by James A. Corey. It's two guys writing as James A. Corey, done by Alcon Entertainment. I thought it was absolutely brilliant to take something as bizarrely complex as that and turn it into a coherent TV show that did not speak down to the readers. In fact, it, it wrote up to the readers and it was great. Very cool. What about um, one that you went, wow, they did an absolutely terrible job with this. So I, I generally don't like it, but uh, I will say the Hobbit sucked. Yeah. Um, I I agree with you. It's a good thing. If they had done the Hobbit movie first and then the Lord of the Rings, I don't think they would have gone to such excess. Uh, the only thing that they did with that that was okay is they, they gave, they, they brought in some female characters because Tolkien was not big on female characters and uh, they brought that in. Um, but, you know, and there were some great moments to the Hobbit. There were, you know, great casting and so on. But it was it was it was too too much of a movie, and it shouldn't have been three movies. Um, I don't think they did the best adaptation of it. No, I agree with you. I I don't know. I actually like the original cartoon. A lot of people talk Me about too. that, but Not I actually bad. love the original cartoon that they did with that. Mm -hmm. And I just I there are certain people who do movies and stuff, and then are given more money, Kevin Costner, to do movies, and I go. I, I appreciate that Dances with Wolves was amazing. I love Dances with Wolves. After that moment in time, not a huge fan of what took place after that. I love Kevin Kausner as an actor, but I just feel like Peter Jackson too. They were like, you did so great with these three. Let's give you more money for three things versus going, you can make one movie. Here's The Hobbit. Make it good. I mean, at, at most two movies. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because the, the, the big battle of five armies does chew up a lot of time, but they expanded it to the point there was like, you don't need all that much action. They tried to outdo Battle of Helm's Deep and the Battle of, of uh, uh, Palenar Fields from Lord of the Ring, of Two Towers and, and the Return of the King. Those were really good action sequences. These were just, they were action sequences and they wasted actors like Lee Pace, who, you know, played Thranduil and so on. They wasted actors in silly roles it, it, it could it should have been better it should have been better i agree with you i agree with you i did like his king kong though i will give that credit i i it's not my favorite king kong but i didn't think it was terrible no it's better um, than the 1976 version of it which oh know, my god yes yeah. that was okay. awful um it didn't even give us dinosaurs for god's sake <laughs> 
No, the dinosaurs. Just for the record, if you ride Universal Studios, King Kong Skull Island, when no one else is on the ride, because my company used to run out Universal for the night, um, it will throw you across the entire thing. It is as much as sitting next to and squeeze next to people, you might be like, I don't like this. No, you like it. Trust me. You do. <laughs> Otherwise, every turn they take, you're like flying across the thing. Lap bar, no lap bar. You're, you're nice. <laughs> nice. Okay. So if you could be any paranormal creature, Ooh. what would you be? Ben and Dante. Ben and Dante are a species of werewolf from uh, Livonia and ex- that whole region, uh, Italy and so on, um, that fought monsters on the side of heaven rather than, than uh, being monsters. And first, I mean, there are families going back to Etruscan times that claim to have been Ben and Dante. I created a whole, I, I wrote a whole series of short stories about a, a private investigator who is descendant of the Ben and Dante. When he takes a new client, he, they become part of his pack and he will do anything to protect his pack. Just the idea of good guy werewolves. Werewolf's my favorite monster anyway. So good guy werewolves who, you know, fought monsters. Uh, they even had one of the Ben and Dante who was arrested by the Inquisition and they tortured him to try to force him to admit that he was, you know, that as a monster, he was on the side of the devil and they couldn't break him. And those guys were pretty enthusiastic about trying. They couldn't oh, yeah. break him. So they released them and they even gave him a nickname, the Hound of God. And that's like so badass, you know. Um, I would wear a t-shirt, I survived the Inquisition, you know. But but that's my favorite paranormal creature and I love writing about them. And um, so, yeah. River Floor is so fun to dive into because there is, there's there's like the feral kind, there's the kind where they, they have stipulations for changing one way and then more stipulations to change back and then you have like the Cinecephale and the Benedante and a few others that were actually hounds of God and 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 uh benevolent kind of scenario it's it is and it's interesting to see how it changes from region to region oh yeah so, like, I, I actually wrote five non-fiction books on folklore on supernatural folklore and that was I, your first big one that you did after the bowling book, isn't it? Uh, yeah. That, yeah, that was. Uh, hold on. Uh, this big. That thing. That thing. Written, written by Shane McDougall because the publisher who had written martial arts books for didn't want me to use my my name for a monster book because he he thought my readers would think I'd gone around the. Did you ever republish that under your name? I broke it down, expanded, rewrote it, and like greatly expanded it into Vampire Universe, Cryptopedia, um, They Bite, and Wanted Undead or Alive. So those books. Um, But I I love the folkloric versions of of monsters much more than the Hollywood versions because they're much more interesting and complex, a lot scarier, a lot harder to stop. And, um, you know, werewolves, there's so many different types. There's one werewolf type that if a werewolf dies, it comes back as a vampire, which I think is so badass. Yes, I use that. I use that in my series where uh, the premise is werewolves came before vampires and that the vampire is a mutation of their curse. Kind yeah, of I, I use that type of vampire uh, as the whole basis for my first three novels, Ghost Red Blues uh, and sequels. Oh. Because there was a werewolf there and he was killed, but not buried correctly. And he comes back as a kind of a spiritual presence vampire that corrupts people and turns them into vampires. I love fun with that. I love folklore. Uh, what what kind of creature would you absolutely not want to be? 
Like if you were playing paranormal roulette and you spun a wheel and there was one little thing that you were like, no, don't, don't land on that. There, there is no fun going to be had if you're a zombie. No. You're rotting. You know, I, I'm, I'm pescatarian in, in that I, I eat uh, fish and, and poultry, but I don't eat, you know, other meats. So I wouldn't make a good zombie anyway. And, you know, I, their fashion sense sucks. I happen to like my Hawaiian shirts. Um, oddly enough, uh, on, my, on the dust jacket of the zombie novels I did, my young, young adult zombie novels I did for Simon Schuster, my author photo is me as a zombie. That's badass. That's awesome. <laughs> I would do me as a serial killer, but we look like everyone else. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> look at, I just got an Adams Family line in there. I want some cred on that because I'm like yeah. black sliders in. So that's mad props. Okay. So if you could be best friends with any character in, no. First question is if you could um, be any main character in a book, you don't get to use your books though. Any main character in a book, but you have to live their entire story. Like you don't just get to be the cool person. You have to live their story. Who do you think you'd want to be? It's actually going to be a character from um, uh, a, mystery, a mystery novel, mystery series, Virtual Flowers from John Sanford's uh, spinoff of the Lucas Davenport novel. He's, he's a um, intellectual kind of hippie-ish guy even though he's a cop, he's always wearing band t-shirts, you know, usually edgy 80s, 90s, you know, and he's a good guy. He's down to earth. He's smarter than he appears. And he, you know, generally likes what he does and people like him, um, though things tend to go wrong. But, you know, at least he's has the tools to be able to, to, to deal with it. So I love the character of Virgil Flowers. My second choice would be Random from the novels by... Uh, Rogers Elasny, the Amber books. Oh, yeah. Because he wasn't supposed to be a hero and became one and lived it. Very true. Okay, who would be your sidekick? Who is your best friend now out of the books? Out of Not those, those books, books, but out of any book, who would you have as a best friend? Um, Moonglum from the uh, Elric novels by uh, Michael Moorcock. Uh, he was a great companion. He was aware that he was a companion, so he often made jokes about that. And um, in a pinch was every bit as good a fighter as as Elric. It's just he didn't have the magic sword. He happened to actually have to fight his way through it with a regular sword, which makes him a little more heroic. That's very, very cool. No, that's very, very cool. What weapon would you want? Like you, you are so well-read, which is incredible. And your memory is just astounding. If, if somebody would bequeath like this great weapon, what weapon would arrive to you? What would be placed in your hands? Well, um, having done 58 years of jujitsu and kenjutsu, um, I would actually like uh, one of the storied katanas, samurai swords, um, from probably, probably the, the sword from Hanzo Hattori, who was a rare samurai general and ninja, actual person. Um, and he had a great sword, and it, you know, it was, I think they, I think it may still be around in a museum somewhere. Um, I've been doing sword Japanese sword uh, work since 1960, something or other. Um, and it'd be my favorite zombie apocalypse weapon too, because you don't have to reload a sword. It's very quiet. Michonne showed that. Absolutely. Oh, Slade. Slade. Yep. It's the baseball bat. It's, you know, it's, it's kind of funny is when we have the zombie apocalypse, not it's if, when, 
because I think it's going to be very much like 28 days later, to be honest. Um, and it happens. Um, I think it's going to be interesting to see if they're attracted to sound because all these guys with their automatic weapons are going to be in a, a huge world of hurt. I, I have written about that very thing in quite a few of my zombie books. Um, like the whole thing about, you know, getting into a house and then suddenly boarding up the windows. That's making a lot of noise. How about getting in that house and be really freaking quiet? No, Let's exactly. Something else, you know. Um, I, I, it's funny, my, my zombie books, um, I've always been a very practical person, very pragmatic. I don't like when characters do something stupid just because that increases the risk. I like it when they do something really smart, but the stakes are higher anyway. They just have to keep leveling up. That's my kind of hero, the one who is doing the smart thing. Like Walking Dead, they're 11 seasons in. They haven't really discovered the idea of basic hygiene though they're covered in zombie blood. Surely they have cuts and scratches. How are they not getting infected every episode? You know, it's well, make- everybody's infected. It's just when you die, they learn that in the well, yeah, but a bite makes it, it accelerates it. Oh, so yeah, that no, that's true. Yeah, saliva or whatever in your bloodstream. Well, if you if you're fighting zombies and running through the woods, you've got cuts and scratches, you get zombie blood on you, you are going to get infected. The fact that they don't is completely ludicrous. Yeah, I have to say, a lot of the beginning. I stopped watching after the Negan and not because of Negan. It's just, I, I don't know. I, I thought it was interesting because um, the first season I go back and I've watched it a few times and I think, and of course it's way different than the graphic novel for anybody who's read the graphic novel. They're all on the the show governor program. is a way different character than in the TV show. Right. But um, I, I remember that when I first watched that, the way they did it, the scenes that were most impactful to me is the scene where the mom, the, the two people are holed up in the house and Rick finds them, right? Which later comes back in the episodes. But when she's trying to open the door, like that scene where they see the, the, the doorknob rattle, mm-hmm. because the zombies remember things. They remember how to do things, which I feel like they've sort of forgotten. Yeah. A lot now you know that they remembered like basic things that they routinely did they remembered how to do them and how terrifying that scene was and that that those um guys couldn't bring themselves to shoot her and kill her every time she walked back to the house and tried to open the door yeah Mor- morgan's wife yeah 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 morgan's wife. i love that i thought that was so well done yeah. and the thing is that <laughs> funny legacy of that scene because that's borrowed from Night of the from from uh, George Romero stuff, and George Romero borrowed it from Richard Matheson's Vampire Apocalypse novel I Am Legend. That's that whole Morgan thing in the house is right out of I Am Legend. You know what? I didn't. I, I'm gonna have to go back and reread that because remember the Night of the Living Dead, but I didn't remember that part. But I I think those kind of scenes, like to our point earlier, like what is actually that's not. It's a little scary. But it, there's so many other emotions on top of the fear of a zombie in the house than that. Yeah. And then the other scene that I love, in a way, is when they're, um, it's actually when they lose the daughter, whose name escapes me right now, again, Cider. Um, but they're on the highway, and this is the first horde. They encounter the first horde, and they're hiding under the cars. And... I thought they did that so well from a really? tension side. Oh, yeah, because uh, so- Sophia was out wandering in the woods and we find out what happens to her, you know. Um, but, yeah, and it's funny because um, 
I've talked about some of this stuff with uh, uh, David Morrissey, who played the governor, um, because mm-hmm. he, he read the comics and he's like, I hope they don't make me be that version of the governor. Um, because he didn't like the comics version at all. He's so vile and reprehensible. But that's what I kind of, I actually like that version of the governor better. He did a good job on the TV version, but I don't think people would have been able to handle that it, version on TV. You know what I mean? Well, people wouldn't have followed that version of the governor. Yeah. Because there was nothing charismatic about him. And he played it as a charismatic lead, leader who happened to be out of his freaking mind. And it, it was a it was a better version. Sometimes I do like the original comic book version better. There are some things they did in the show I do like, you know, really, really well. Um, and by the way, Negan and Maggie have their own spinoff show coming up. I, I saw that. No, that'll be interesting to see what they do with that. I'm going to go back at some point and just start again and rewatch them. Last so couple of seasons got better. What? The last couple of seasons got pretty good. In fact, it's it, it might be ending on a pretty good note because this is the last season. We only have a few episodes left. Yeah. So I just I stopped because it it got to. I don't know. It was just weird for me. Like the whole Negan thing. I love, I love him. Uh, Je- what is his name? Jeffrey. Dean Wait. Morgan. Yeah. I love him. And I just love him in everything. I loved him in Supernatural. I, like, I love him in everything. But his, his character growth in The Walking Dead show is so much better than the character growth in the comic um, to the point where he's now a sympathetic character that you, you kind of like because he's aware of everything he's done wrong and um it's it's worth watching uh, the whole thing you know sometimes but i'll, I'll have to check it out i have to rewatch it because i i stopped shortly after that and i think it was because by the time it got to that point i was already frustrated with i think the se- two seasons before that because like to me when they left the prison and everything i'm like okay what is happening i felt like it lost a lot of those moments that I'm talking about where I was like, like the moment where, um, oh my gosh, I'm doing terrible with names, but the little girl had killed her sister. Yeah. And, yeah I forget the character's name too. The, the one. Yeah. The, and then she goes the to shoot the little girl and has to kill her. Right. Um, that was epic scene. Like, cause you know, it was the hardest thing, but it was the right thing. And I loved some of the characters. Like I felt like Daryl, and oh my God, I cannot remember her name right now to save my life, but they, Carol, knew, Carol, how to do the right thing a lot of times, which was yeah. not the popular and the lovely thing. And, and you know that that ending where he shoots the girl is right out of, uh, um, of, of Mice and Men. No. Yeah, that's, that's how he kills him at the end. Or is it Flowers for Algernon? Flowers for Algernon. I was going to say, I don't remember it's, that it's, in it's Mice the, and Men. It's the ending of Flowers for Algernon. You look at the flowers, keep looking at the flowers, bang. Oh, wow. No, I had no idea. Val, this is supposed to be rapid fire questions. I've given I, I you know. a lot of time. Did you come up with one yet? Hey, yeah, yes, yes, yes. Since we're on, on the subject of, of TV shows, what TV show have you been watching recently? I just finished rewatching all of Daredevil, the best superhero show that's ever been on television, as far as I'm concerned. I just uh, convinced my mother-in-law to watch it because she didn't know who the character was in Spider-Man uh, Far Away From Home. And I'm like, no, you. Ha- it, I agree. It's one of my favorites. Yeah, and and Kingpin, of course, showed up in the Hawkeye show. Um, yeah, and uh, but Charlie Cox is amazing as Daredevil. The supporting characters in that, uh, the woman who played Karen Page and the guy who plays Foggy Nelson, are brilliant. 
but they're overshadowed. And sometimes you don't realize how good their performances are until you rewatch it and just focus on them a little bit. When I did this last rewatch, I really focused more on the supporting characters and they were amazing. Um, I loved that show. The Defenders was not bad. Iron Fists. Oh, oh Iron Fist yeah. is fucking terrible. If it, if it wasn't for um, uh, the, the, I forget her name, um, something, Hedwing, Henwing, the, the one who played um, the, the, uh, the, the female, the, the Asian martial mm-hmm. arts character, uh-huh. um, she was great. If, she, if it wasn't for her, the show would have, would have been unwatchable. Um, and uh, I love Jessica Jones. I love Luke Cage. Uh-huh. Uh, I thought they did a great job, and I'm glad it's over on Disney now. And, I, and I've, I've heard something that they're going to fold those characters in. The Punisher was great. Punisher uh, was really good too. Yeah, and it had yeah. uh, the, the guy entire. But by the way, the entire stunt team for the Punisher mm-hmm. are friends of mine. They're all Joe Ledger fans. What? So this is a cute, a cool little anecdote. So while they were on the set of the Punisher, um, they would, you know, between takes, they'd be doing these fight scenes. And Johnny Bernthal plays the Punisher. Like, guys, that's that's not the scene in the script. It's not what we rehearsed. They said, and they said, oh no, it's it's from these books that we're reading. And um, so they, they turned him onto the Punisher, into the, the Joe Ledger, by telling him that, you know, the preface of it was saying, oh, and this same guy used to write the Punisher, which I did. I've written a couple of Punisher books. And um, so at Dragon Con, they're going to be at Dragon Con, the stunt team. Oh, nice. It's, you know, it's the same stunt team from uh, Winter Soldier, from Doctor Strange, all those guys. Um, and uh, Spencer Mulligan and Lloyd Pitts and, and so on. And Last time I was doing a signing at Dragon Con a couple of years ago, I'm doing the signing and two guys just start fighting, and it's them. You know, <laughs> it's they're 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 a hoot. So I'm going to be hanging out with them a little bit at Dragon Con too, and and hopefully we'll all be able to have some some fun together. Well, that would be awesome. That would be awesome. What other I would say yeah. that was the one time they got the Punisher correct because that was a, a series it's of perfect correct. Yeah, oh, yeah. disappointment up until that moment in time. I have to say. That Spider-Man movie, the most recent uh-huh. one, is my favorite superhero movie. There's so much nostalgia folded into it that I think it, it folded it to a different level for a lot of people. Yeah. Okay, what are your three? Go for it. Okay. Uh, Captain America Winter Soldier, Captain America Civil War, Spider-Man Far, uh, or Far From Home or No Way Home or whatever it was called. Yeah. Those are the three that are my favorites. Um but uh, then Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. Yes, Black Panther was amazing. I think the thing I liked about the Spider-Man, first of all, nostalgia, because I thought, but I thought the way they did it was one of the first times I've seen it not have a degree of cheese or like artificial insertion into a movie of something to bring back something from the past. Yeah. yeah. I, like they did it I had tears in my eyes. I had tears in my eyes a couple of times. I mean, no spoilers for those who haven't seen it. And the mess starts with this nice, it's basically a gesture of sincerity from Doctor Strange. And Peter being a typical teen, you know, it just escalates from there. And then, yeah. I'm so looking forward to Doctor Strange. Uh, Oh my gosh. That's going to be awesome. What do you think of WandaVision and stuff? I love them. I love them all. They all different flavors. WandaVision was great. It, it, um, I didn't read the press about it before I sat down to watch it. And I'm like, what the hell am I watching? And he, and, but I was binging it, 
You know, yeah. I waited until, you know, so I didn't, I deliberately don't read the press about something until I've had a chance to watch. I don't want to be influenced by anyone's opinion. Love that. Um, it's my, again, in order, my favorite of the new uh, superhero shows on Disney, um, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, I thought was brilliant. Oh, yeah. I enjoyed that. Um, Wandavi- uh, Loki, WandaVision, Hawkeye, though. I really did like Hawkeye. Um, but, uh, and I'm looking forward to this, this stuff coming up. Oh, I love Loki. I love Tom Hiddleston. I think he's brilliant. Yeah. And he looks, you know what the best part is? I love it when somebody like, kind of like Charlie Cox, totally, you can tell he enjoys the hell out of that character. Like yeah. he truly loves being that character. And you could tell Tom Hiddleston loved just being Loki the way Loki is written. Yeah, he and talk about inspired casting because uh, Kevin Feige, the, the guy who's running Marvel Cinematic Universe, the casting choices they've made have been brilliant all, all along the way. I mean, getting Robert Downey Jr. to play Tony Stark. Oh, yeah. That his was... career was not huge at the time. No. You know, he had real issues, prison and alcoholism and everything and drugs. And, and then he just became Tony Stark. Chris Evans, he was fun as, as the human torch in those really bad Fantasy Four movies. But he is Captain America. He he owned Captain America. Chadwick Boseman as as the Panther. The fact that he was doing those movies and not nobody knew that he had cancer. He was going to, to children's cancer hospitals and entertaining the kids doing stuff, and nobody knew he was sick. And then when he died, we're all like, "How did he? When did he get cancer? He had it the whole time." Fine. Holy shit! Yeah. Uh, no, he. Yes, I agree with with you and it's so interesting because you brought up earlier the Zack Snyder cut of um Justice League uh, yeah and I like those I did not like um Wonder Woman 80 84 like no and I've and you know what as a writer and I I do screenwriting too and not like I'm you know but I'm like give me the fucking script just give it to me I can fix this just please hand it to me or totally fucking it up give it to me Yep. Like, and that's that's been DC's problem all along. They're trying. I, I actually I don't know what they're trying to do. They 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 have. I mean, Henry Cavill is the best Superman in years and years, possibly the best ever. I liked uh, Ben Affleck as 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 the older version of Batman. I did too. Oh, um, Wonder Woman, the first Wonder Woman film. I'm there. You know. Beautiful. Um, yeah. But the the way in which they write the scripts, they 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 go for cheesy action. And over-the-top action that is just action, but it is not driving the story. And this whole thing about Superman and Batman fighting, and it's because, you know, the name Martha is mentioned, that they stop fighting. Oh, come on. You know, it's ridiculous. Well, and you know what's so funny is they, I feel like they keep almost getting there. Like, the whole premise that he's a vigilante and the police hate Batman at this point and whatever. And he's not buddy, buddy with everybody like that whole thing. And he was leaving the stamps. And I was like, okay, we're getting into gritty Batman. We're going to do a gritty Batman here. And that he get it, yeah. get it, totally get it. But then don't go Martha. Cause it totally makes you go. Oh, no. hmm. I, I, I couldn't watch Aquaman because here's one of the problems with a lot of the DC characters. They're all invulnerable. There's no dramatic tension if the character can't be hurt. I mean, in, in Marvel, Thanos beats the crap out of Hulk and Hulk goes into hiding. 
Thor loses a fight and, you know, winds up becoming the big Lebowski in a, in a washout. Can't, there's consequences of things that happen and you don't see them in the DC stuff. They should just sit down and make their screenwriters watch those movies and take notes on what makes them work. Um, and they, you know, DC is not doing it right. And it's a shame because I, I love the DC characters. Yeah. I, I really like the new Batman film, even though the entire movie was lit with one 40 watt bulb. Um, it was ridiculously dark film. Yeah. Um, but it had some really great moments to it. And I, you know, I liked seeing Batman working with the police. That was that was kind of cool. I would I would like to see them not try to keep replaying the same characters. Because there are listen up, world, there are other characters in the DC universe. Just in case you're wondering, hashtag there's a lot of other characters yeah, in the I DC am universe. So tired of the Joker. I mean <sighs> So tired. They should have retired him with Heath, Heath Ledger, you know, uh, and just not done any more Joker stuff. Or they should have brought in what's his name, um, who, who, uh, Joaquin? Joaquin, Joaquin Phoenix. They should have had his Joker in there because that was a brilliant take on it too. Because that Joker's insane, but they screwed it up by making that Joker not a scientist. The Joker was a brilliant chemist. That's why he's able to do that stuff. How's he going to do all these master plans if he doesn't have the scientific background? No, it, anyway, we could, anyway. obviously we could speak for hours about for hours, this topic, but I, I agree with you. Okay, Val, One last I'm going to allow you to ask the final question. Do you think you can handle that? All right. So I'm going to judge you if it's good or not, yes, whether or not yes. it's the final okay. question. You'll judge me. Yeah. Okay. What is your all-time favorite trope? It is a trope you enjoy. Oh, sure. All-time favorite trope is characters up against impossible odds and they level up they have to learn something to bring them up to, to the speed dracula is a perfect example of that none of those characters could be dracula but together sharing knowledge they were able to be dracula um harry potter him and his friends were a bunch of kids sharing knowledge growing learning they were able to defeat voldemort um luke skywalker was an annoying child uh teenager but working with the others they were able to level up and beat darth vader and the emperor I love the trope of the underdog, not just one who wins because he has some magic skill. No, because they've increased their knowledge, understanding, and their ability to cooperate and share knowledge. That's my favorite trope. And by the way, <laughs> so let's talk about that book since I'm going to allow that to be the final question, Val. Well done. Well done. Yes. Okay. Let's do shameless self promotion here, Jonathan. I've got uh, my first epic fantasy coming out May 10th in trade paperback, hardcover, ebook, and audio read by Ray Porter. It is a big, sprawling epic fantasy and has a really great cover quote from Michael Moorcock, um, my hero in epic fantasy. And it's the first of a new series. The second book will be out in January. And if you love epic fantasy, I'm really sure you're going to dig this. And very, very cool. And then... Your book tour starts in California for anyone out there or obsessed enough to fly out there. When? Actually, it starts in Pennsylvania. I know, but you won't. You have yet to name well, the store. So Doylestown Books, Doylestown Bookshop, Doylestown, Pennsylvania, right north of Philadelphia, is where I'm, I'm launching the book, May 10. Uh, then I come back to to San Diego area, and I'll be doing San Diego, Burbank, California, uh, Encinitas, and Santee uh, bookstores in those areas for Kagan the Damned, and I'll be. All year long, every event I go to this year, Dragon Con and so on, I'll be really promoting Kagan. It's my big series now. 
That is very, very exciting. I love that we got to have you back on the show. I'm very happy to be here. Awesome. Awesome. And we're, we're going to see you at Dragon Con and we'll have much merriment and mirth. Okay. That. Yeah. Yes. Oh, you got to say how people should find you because um, they you, you do your social media spiel. You said with a mouthful of whiskey. So I am on social media. I'm everywhere on social media. Um, if you spell my last name right, it's easy to find me. If you put a Y in the middle, you'll find somebody else. I'm on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. LinkedIn. I have a website, jonathanmabry.com. Just come and find me. And I also do an, an Ask Me Anything uh, on Facebook every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific time. And I give prizes, usually signed copies of my books um, or other things, for the best questions of that week. See, Val, me and you are going to jump on there in a yes. couple of weeks. I've just decided that Drinking oh. with Authors crew needs to jump on the Ask Me Anything. <laughs> You, I've been asked some pretty bizarre questions too. So, um. challenge accepted. So, but you are also on Book Talk now, right? We're, we're adventuring well, down now. I know. I, I, have my, him. I have my very first video, which I did not create. A friend of mine created it for me. I am in the process of watching a lot of tutorials to figure out how the hell to do Book Talk. So, I will tell you, our lovely friend here, by the way did this exact thing and then put a tutorial together on how to do book talk for our author. So we'll have to email that to you so Please. you can see what she did. Please. Yes. I, I will, I will buy you, buy you drinks. If you, uh, at dragon con, if you, if you God, it, it only, it only takes one drink and I, and I, I'm probably going to have to need assistance. Shut it. Shut it. You're not helping our cause here, Val. This is why you're a very interesting sidekick to have around. I'm just throwing that out. I know. You love me. I love you, too. I do. I do. do. Jonathan, it's been thrilling. Thank you so much again. So so much fun. Thank you both for uh, these. These sessions with you guys are freaking hilarious. I have so much fun. Oh, oh my gosh. So do we. So do we. It's like we have Jonathan on again. Yes, every episode we can. Okay. <laughs> this has been so cool. Okay. So this has been Drinking with Authors Literary Briefs. I've been your host, Erica Lance. My amazing co-host has been the intrepid Valerie Willis. Oh, yeah. I was yeah, or drunk, which ad- adjectives flying now. <laughs> hey, you know what? If I can do adjectives on Okay, never mind. I lost it. It's done. Okay. Is that Cthulhu? Did Cthulhu just make an appearance? Yes. (laughs) I've been playing with Cthulhu most of this time, but I figured it was, we didn't get to a Cthulhu question, so I didn't. But yes, he's saying hello. Well, next, you know what? Mental note for when I go on the AMA Cthulhu question. That's happening. He's also a drunk. I appreciate that. And our guest has been Jonathan Mayberry for anybody not paying attention. Our sponsor today has been Skunk Brothers Spirits. DWA10 is the coupon code. Get 10% off of an order. They're veteran and brother-owned. They're pretty amazing. And we will see you guys next time. Bye. Bye.